For March 28th, 2022, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 717. What would being good even be for? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are uh, sitting around together and talking about the things that interest us. The, the movies, the television shows, the music, the books, and the video games? Well, you know, video games are, are what we do together because we don't know how to say uh, I love you. I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with my good friends, Matthew Palinke. Matt, uh, I regard you in in a certain way well thank you if if there were if there was one help pack i would seriously consider maybe letting you have it oh th- th- thank thank you i i uh gosh uh dusty in here uh i we got uh pete fenzel pete uh my my uh d- affection for you is uh, entirely brotherly Get good, noob. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got Mark Lee. Uh, Mark, I uh, I salute your your many accomplishments. Um, I, I I'm here to grief you. Matt. Is that a thing? <laughs> Is that video game talk? Is that how they talk in the video games these days? Uh, in, in the video games. Warning. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna talk about video games uh, in in just a second because I understand that some of the panel has played. A video game but first it's that time of year uh the the most the most fabulous time of year uh, eurovision the uh song contest the eurovision song contest where each country in the european broadcasting union which includes non-european countries like israel and australia for some reason uh but all of uh you know all of whom are affiliated with this particular broadcaster each send a song to a uh, to a central competition held in Turin uh, this year, and uh, it is a, a weeks long bacchanalia. Well, a week long bacchanalia, but the process. And we've we've been reviewing this um, since really the start of the site. Uh, I, Matt Belinky, our resident Eurovision expert and the uh, the executive producer. <laughs> of, of the video series is uh has actually been writing for uh overthinking it about eurovision i think since 2009 so uh you you, you excited to get back to producing producing videos <laughs> with me on camera talking saying snarky things about eurovision matt i'm excited not honestly i think it's going to be a good year of eurovision i think that the general consensus is that the quality of the show is way up, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the the winner of last year's show really achieved fame on a scale that that Eurovision winners usually do not. That they they within six months of winning Eurovision, they were opening for the Rolling Stones. Yeah, uh, and they were they were the uh, hard rock band Monoskin. Um, which we believe we're pronouncing right, but we're not totally sure to this day. I, tr- I actually watched an, I, I watched a YouTube video of Ellen DeGeneres saying it to make sure. Well, that she's I, the authority here. On, <laughs> on Italian, obviously. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. So, so not to be outdone, I, I sometimes explain Eurovision to people like, um, imagine if American Idol worked that every state operated an independent idol, uh, champion uh, you know competition and that um that all 50 states sent 
a uh, sent their delegate, their representative to a big America, uh, American Idol song contest where they, uh, they, you know, played it out and were, were voted winners or losers. Now, not to be outdone, um, America has actually done that <laughs> this year. So there is a, a thing. It is affiliated, I believe, with, with the Eurovision, whoever owns the Eurovision IP. It's called the American Song Contest. Obviously, we call it America Vision. And we've started putting, uh, We've started putting some video reviews of that, little capsule recaps with some commentary uh, on the Overthinking It YouTube channel as well, kind of mixing it up with the with the Eurovision 2022 content, the uh, the America Vision content. So if you are watching that, or if you're aware of it, or if you would like to uh, dip your toe into this song contest pool, um, you know it's all there for uh, for you. We'll put some links in the in the show notes and uh, embed some videos. If you uh, look at the website to see uh, to see what's you know going on in America Vision and in. Eurovision, excuse me. Anyone have any early favorites, Mark Lee? What do you what do you like in either the European or American incarnation of the song contest? I'm going to put myself out there for Wyoming, who put themselves out there with a um we can call it ridiculous, right? It was this ridiculous country rap thing. Um I mean, like you hear that and you think, okay, someone did a poor uh little Nas X kind of old town road knockoff thing. And you would not be incorrect. Um, it is definitely a knockoff of, of Old Town Road, but it is immensely entertaining, and it was the only hook that I still had in my mind uh, an hour after I watched the show. New Boot Goofin. That is the name of the song, New Boot Goofin. It is the dance you do after you get new cowboy boots, um, and you goof around in them, and you strut. It's, uh, it is nothing if not entertaining. What are you doing? I'm New Boot Goofin. Exactly, right? Just rolls off the top. <laughs> it's, Which is interesting because it's been a long day at my job roofing. <laughs> <laughs> Sourdough in the oven, a proofing. So, so novelty songs are a thing in Eurovision, right? Yes. That like you know, yes. there's a lot of straight down the middle ballads, um, and you know, the occasional smattering of rock. Uh, but up tempo pop is like the mainstream thing. Yeah, like up tempo sort of like dance pop, uh, but then at least you know a few songs every year do something a little bit silly sometimes very silly um probably most famously it was like lordy right was the the band that you know performed hard rock hallelujah dressed as mon- like guar style monsters yeah um, th- there was that and dust in the turkey which was like a muppet that ireland sent just to make fun of eurovision Is that accurate yeah, well, but, and I, th- I think it's interesting because those two exist on a continuum, right? Like, like those two could be could be grouped together as novelty songs, but I think one of them was meant to be almost like a protest vote, or just sort of like a, like we're throwing up our hands in consternation and just sort of thumbing our nose at the whole concept of this. Whereas, like, Lordy came to play, and and that was like legitimately, you know, sure. it is a Eurovision song that you could find a karaoke to this day. I have done it right. karaoke. Yeah, we've we've. I think we've all probably been in that room where we did right. hard, so the, hard rock hallelujah together. Yes. There's nothing phoned in about yeah. hard rock hallelujah that, that I deserve to win is what I'm saying. And I feel like new boot goofing may be that kind of a song where it seems on the surface like oh this song is a joke, but just like you said that it is actually catchy mm-hmm. and it is like legitimately funny and it does mm-hmm. have style. Yep. And so that like it's not just sort of like a you know, a, a, a throwaway novelty. It's like a novelty that that has sort of surprising 
stickiness to it. Do you I have like a, Lil Nas X? Yeah, it's you know what else has a has a surprising stickiness is these new boots. I gotta I gotta do some new boot goofing. Do you have a uh, Do you have a, a favorite, Matt? Uh, or are you not? Uh, are they all your children, and you don't want to pick one uh, to elevate above the rest? I mean, for America Vision, it's we've only done eleven out of the fifty-five, by the way, which is interesting. Because, like, obviously, that I think for logistical reasons, they wanted to be like a number that was divisible by like the five semifinals, and so they started like going deep into the death chart of American territories. There's like the the what the North Mariana Islands. Are, are represented in America Vision. Well, like, like uh, first, first of all, like Washington D.C. is represented. Puerto Rico is represented. So what? Yeah, so but then, like those, those are sure. Like those should be represented. But in now all you need, yeah, exactly. Life. Now you need to get it. Now you're at fifty-two, and you need to get to a number divisible by five. So you got to pick three more. Okay, Guam's right. a gimme, right? And then the Virgin uh, Islands, sure. And then you're really you're stretching. <laughs> i'm sure there's some angry we're gonna get some angry email about how dare you how dare you sir uh if you are wait if you're listening to this podcast and you live in the north mariana islands yeah you, uh, you are welcome to come in as please yes yeah, send me send me some kind of proof and i will i will send you overthinking it swag uh for sure <laughs> even though wait, it's kind of the, the cost of sending it there maybe absolutely ruin this. <laughs> Uh, all right. So uh, on YouTube, we got uh, our Eurovision reviews. We're back, baby. Back. It's been like three years, I think, since we've we've done these. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty it feels pretty good to, to be back doing them again. And uh, I, I do appreciate all the comments about my beard. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's my proudest accomplishment <laughs> over uh, over. Oh, wait, no, I got engaged. Um, the uh, it's my second proudest accomplishment over the covid time. Uh, you know, and, uh, woof, you can, <laughs> it's on the, it's on the, the video for, for everyone to see. Um, let's, let's dive into some, uh, let's dive into some, some, you know, gamer content. What you know, what you always come to overthinking it, uh, for gamer content. Um, hey, you, you missed a, you missed a really great segue. What's that? Just speaking of sublimated conflict. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right Sub- sublimating one type of action with another i guess uh I, I guess it has to be sublime for it to be sublimated but uh let's let's figure out whether whether it is or not pete i understand uh you've played a video game with these guys recently i mean i don't practice santeria but i <laughs> i play them back for blood yes i've played some video games i'll give a little bit of background on our quest to play video games you can put that in capital letters or I guess initial caps and scroll it into the background. Uh, as, of course, listeners to the podcast might know, we've been podcasting together every week. Sometimes we do it twice in a week to release one on a week we have off. But really, without missing a week, and is it now 12, 13 years at this point? 13 it's plus years, thir- yeah. Yeah, 13 plus years. Well, the Cal Ripken of podcasting. And be- yes, exactly. And because of this, we've stayed pretty close to each other and in contact with each other. Uh, those of us who've continued to do the podcast in particular, uh, even if it's just occasionally, we, we stay in touch, right? We, we maintain this sort of socialization. Uh, there, is, there is a sort of put a pin in that, right? We'll, we'll come back to that later and move past it. Uh, we also often talk about how much we love karaoke and different times that we've either done karaoke together or separately, right? And that's another sort of occasion where we might – uh, socialize or talk to each other uh, if we're in the same city and we and we want to do something. Karaoke is you know near the top of the list. Put a pin in that, right? Move past that. Uh, pandemic, right? 
a lot of people's everyday socialization is shut down. There's a lot of isolation. Also, a lot of us have young kids, which further isolates us. And so uh, there's the question of, okay, well, how do I socialize with other adults in a way that I need in this kind of situation? And so there's been talk for some time in our circles, especially during the pandemic, about playing video games together. And this has been a problem because, as you might know, video games these days are made to match you with other people out there, not to play with the people that you are already hanging out with, right? Because each of us play different video games, and they each have skill because we're, we're all of us are like people who want challenge and put a pit in that right uh and mm-hmm. each of us are maybe better or worse at the different video games we play and so it's hard to find a video game that we're all comparably enough good at or that is structured in such a tolerant way that our levels of skill in it it is disparate as they are aren't going to ruin the experience right so uh i mean i guess mark you'll talk about yours i'll put a pin in that um, I'll briefly mention the one of the ones I was playing a lot during quarantine, which was I was playing Tekken 7. I got a little bit into fighting games. And Mark and I actually had a fighting game sesh last year, was it, Mark? Or was it in 20? Yeah, we, we went out with uh, Street Fighter 2024 yes. or whatever they're up to now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we were playing some Street Fighter. Uh, fighting games are very hard to play with somebody else who doesn't spend the same amount of time that you do playing fighting games because these gaps in matchup knowledge and stuff really decide the outcomes of things. So it's not really that fun uh, to play fighting games with somebody if you if the reason you're playing them is you've picked the somebody as opposed to you've picked the fighting game. Unless you guys are part of the fighting game community together and it's something that you both do as a sort of separate social commitment. So in our most recent decision to play a video game together, uh, and this is actually after an opportunity some of us had to see each other in person, which really energized us to want to do this again, uh, put a pin in that, right? Why is it that seeing each other in person the time that we did refresh the idea that we were going to do this? Uh, we played, we decided it on Back for Blood. Uh, we played, so it was myself, I was there, uh, Mark was there, and Matt Blinky was there, and the three of us, along with an AI, uh, tried out Back for Blood for the first time, which, for a little bit of background, this is a co-op shooter. So if one of us is better than the others, that's probably fine, right? Uh, because we're helping each other out, and the enemy is the zombies, right? Um, and uh, and it's a sort of, it's a spiritual sequel to the Left for Dead series, uh, which I guess in turn gave birth to Fortnite indirectly because Fortnite is originally a zombie survival shooter, thus the fort and the night, right? But then, of course, Fortnite branched off into Battle Royale and the rest was bus-dropping history. But for us, um, this is a this is a game where they made the game. While they were making the game, the studio got bought by Valve. Uh, they made the game. They made the other game. The game's really popular, pretty successful, but the studios didn't really mesh, and so they spun the studio spun off again. And had, couldn't use the same name because now Valve owns the name, even though the split seemed amicable, and just sort of renamed the thing and came up with new mechanics, made it different, but it's the same general idea, right? So it's a co-op shooting game where a group of four people have to travel from point A to point B whilst surviving onslaughts of many, many zombies. Um, and so – and Mark, Matt, and I played it with an AI as our fourth. And uh, I guess I'll throw it to Matt Belinke to tell everybody how we did. How did we do in our first playing of uh, Back for Blood, Matt? 
So we decided to start out slow, just as a little warm up, and 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 set it to to the novice difference, the recruit difference, whatever the the easy, the baby difficulty mode was. Little babies, Uh, zombies. Put on the uh, the very first level of the game, right? So it should have been should have been a real cakewalk. Should have been basically like a tutorial level. Uh, And we, I would four times or five times. It it took us a number of tries to limp. Through the and I think one thing that we should mention is that when you play the game for real, you you pick up the next stage at exactly the same state as you ended the previous stage. And so that, for instance, if you barely have survived the previous stage, you are probably not going to survive the next stage because you're you're starting with like a huge handicap. Um, although you also start with like all the weapons or power ups that you picked up. So I, I suppose there are there there are advantages. Um and I, I mean, I think, you know, what I, what I want to get into here is that it is Left for Dead that I have some experience with was it, it on the surface. It was the exact same game, right? It's it's a group of four people. It has to be four. If, if you don't have like four real people, then like the AI will fill in one of the roles, um, you know, go go through like what's basically like a linear level that's designed to look like a real world location. But like it just so happens that every. Every street is sort of blocked off by a burning bus, and there's only one way you can go through the level, basically. Um, and so that, like, you you go from point A to point B. There are a number of of uh, sort of predetermined hazards on the way, as well as randomized. It's it's a bit roguelike in that, like, every time that you you play, there's going to be different, slightly different challenges, slightly different handicaps, is slightly different. The the power ups and sort of bonuses that are spread along the way are going to be a little bit different every time. Um, and it's designed in so that the, the enemies that attack you will require you to work as a team that like, you know, not only will they be hard to defeat as solo, but, and maybe this was more true of the original left for dead. I didn't see it as much in this version, although I think there are a couple of the, the, the mutant types that do this will, will sometimes you'll be grabbed from behind and literally immobilized and there will be nothing you can do about the situation except for wait and hope that one of your friends can save you. And so that it doesn't matter how good a shooter that you are. It's supposed to be something where like everyone will need help at some points. And in fact, the game may may explicitly put its thumb on the scale in that if you are carrying the team, the game may go out of its way to take you out of the equation and to force the team to like have to step up and help you. Um, but here's the deal. The original Left 4 Dead, all the characters had the exact same ability, had the same health in the same uh, offensive and defensive abilities that the, the physical appearance of the characters was just cosmetic, Right, so everybody was the same, and those abilities would not change, depending no matter like how much you played the game, no matter um, you know, like like there there were different weapons you could pick up along the way, but like you know, basically, whether you had played the game for a thousand hours or you played the game for one hour, your character would play exactly the same, um, and you'd have exactly the same chance and you know behind the scenes stats of success, and that is no longer the case. Right. They've added numerous systems that are meant to sort of like increase the complexity, but also like the strategy necessary to play. Um, and I, I'm going to try to explain this, but I'm going to get bogged down in the weeds. So basically they, they have what they refer to as like a card system, which is basically you you collect 
cards that give you bonuses. So like one card might be like, oh, you have like plus 10 defense or you have like extra ammo that you can pick up or you can shoot while sprinting. Or there was one that like when you're crouching, you can't take any friendly fire damage or that you have a better ability to sense certain types of hazards, those kind of things. Right. And you could create a deck of up to 15 of these cards and then I think for every stage, I think the deal is that you could pick a couple cards from your deck to sort of activate. Um, I mean, honestly, I have not completely figured out the system. So there's a, there's a, you know, you sort of build the deck and then the cards that you have access to are somewhat random. And then you have to pick within those, that subset of cards, which one you use. But basically the idea is that like the more you play, the more you sort of um, pick up these cards, right. Or, or, you either find them, you know, like they're sort of rare drops from within the levels or, you know, basically the points that you collect while playing the game, you could spend them on unlocking these cards. And of course, the better cards you get, the better you get at the game. And so in, I've noticed this in a bunch of games that I played, most notably like the last time I tried to get into a Call of Duty, that it's the people who are the best at the game that also have every advantage. Because it's like that, you know, like, like the more that you played the game, the more you are going to be able to, you know, get the good weapons, get the bonuses, you know, get additional health, get, you know, the um, additional accuracy. And it does, it seems like this, a real barrier for entry. And that like, it's, it's the people who need the most handholding, the noobs of the game are, you know, it, it will never be harder to play the game than you do the first time you so, boot it up. So Matt, you're saying it's like capitalism. It's uh, man. I mean, it's, it's like capitalism. And, more. and now, as far as I know, this game doesn't, this is like a big debate in modern games nowadays that like, you know, sure. Every game has this kind of grind in it. And we could talk about the reasons why these games feel the need to like build in these, these unlockable systems, but some games, just straight up let you pay to cut the line, right? Like real, real mobile game style is that like, Oh, you want the good cards. You can just give us money and then you'll have the good cards. Um, and you know, and we, you know, that's often referred to as like pay to win. Um, and there are other games where it's, it's sort of like, okay, sure. You can, you can buy stuff. There's an online store, but those things are all cosmetic, right? Those things are not going to make you a better player. They're just going to make you look cooler. And I, I, think Fortnite is like that. I think Fortnite just sells skins and dances and makes a, a ridiculous amount of money doing it. But I don't think you can actually buy a better gun than everyone else in Fortnite. Um, and that, I mean, I certainly think that makes a big difference in the way I view the game. But obviously, I think if you're a developer, it's it's sadly very tempting to sort of view these games as just mechanisms to get people you know, people who maybe have like a, a addiction problem, right. To spend, I remember like reading a stat about like mobile games in particular that like, you know, something like 90% of the revenue is driven by like 10% of the people, you know, which is maybe, maybe the case in a lot of, a lot of things in life where like, you're looking for these whales, you're looking for the people who are going to be like obsessed with like league of legends, not league of legends. What, what is the uh, clash of clans is the, uh, the <laughs> online one is going to spend like a hundred dollars, $200 a month. Uh, playing stuff on Clash of Clans because you just can't help yourself. And those people subsidize, you know, another hundred people who spend nothing at the game. And a lot of these games are like, you know, low-key built around hooking that one person in. And and the other 99 people, 
whether or not their experience is as fun as possible is secondary to whether this game is going to be addicting enough for the kind of people who are predisposed to be addicted to it. Just to be clear, right? Back for Blood is not one of those games. We don't right? like th- it, is, I mean, it not, is not, not trying yet. to nickel and dime us uh, for money. And but more, perhaps even more importantly, right? This is a uh, PVE a player versus environment game rather than PVP player versus player game um, where, um, you know, for like, like Call of Duty, like you mentioned, right? You know, people are paying extra bucks so that they can um, kill the opponents and be really good at it, right? For us, you know, us three bros just hanging out, looking for a good time. We're just looking for a collective sense of accomplishment. Notable important difference, right? Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. Um, and I mean, I I think there's a lot that can be said about this sort of, I mean, Pete, you have some, you have some D and D familiarity, right? And I always associate like D and D as being the sort of like the, the original sort of source of the, the real sort of min maxing style of video games. Right. You know, the, the, the kind of thing where it's like, I, I've tried to watch people play Skyrim on occasion. And it really does seem like it's like every single guy you kill, it seems like, like maybe like, you know, talking about that, like 90, 10 ratio, like, you know, 10% of the time you are attacking enemies and 90% of the time you're like looting their bodies and looking at like every pair of gloves that, that you could find and looking at the stats and really like making some hard choices about like whether this pair of gloves is going to like complement your build and really deciding like what piece of gear you might sacrifice to put on this pair of gloves. And it really seems like the kind of people that get seriously into Skyrim are often the kind of people who like, you know, coming up with the perfect gear is a, um, and then, you know, th- this used to be, a really distinct feature of like the RPG genre right? about like, you know, like getting gear and equipping your team or coming up with the right mix of spells. You know, think about like final fantasies. It's like, you know, it's the right mix of spells, the right mix of attacks, the right team composition. But I feel like it's, you know, and look, I'm not an expert here. So, so feel free to school me in the comments. If anyone's posting comments anymore, but, um, destiny, was it was a big shooter that came out and uh, you know the first one was quite a number of years back um but i remember like one of the unique features on that is it did it was the kind of thing where like people played it obsessively because they were looking for these rare drops right it was the kind of thing where it's like you could you know there were these guns or these you know piece of armor that you could that you know would come up very infrequently or with great difficulty you'd have to you'd have to get through a a dungeon you know, and we're talking about like a first person shooter dungeon, right? So it's like you and your team would have to shoot your way through like a a crucible and defeat these hard enemies. And your reward would be like a slightly better piece of gear that you'd then get to keep forever. And of course, it became this vicious cycle where it's sort of like you feel great about that piece of gear until next month when they release another challenge that and, and the reward for that is a slightly better piece of gear. And so that your gear that was superior in the past doesn't stay superior. And so you have to keep you know, you have to stay on the treadmill if you want to, like, feel proud of your, your build. Right. I wouldn't describe it. I mean, the classic game for that is something like World of Warcraft or an MMORPG as the bridge between old uh, style <laughs> role-playing paper, games. Yeah. yeah, and like the, the newer style sort of commercial model. And the big difference in terms of income is just having a repeating income stream. I would add to your two models that you've described – 
uh, or your various models that you described, right? There's the idea of, okay, you buy the game and you can buy cosmetics or you buy the game where it's free to play in these cases. And then you could pay money for in-game currency to buy things that will help you win. I would add the phenomena now of, of well, which Fortnite, I think, is one of the big pushers of, which is the whole battle pass notion. The idea that, that if you are a serious player who wants to progress and get rewards for progressing, you sort of pay a subscription, which I think is an evolution of the MMORPG model, which was so incredibly profitable, of paying a subscription. You pay every month to pay the game, play the game, and it's this expectation that new stuff is going to keep coming out and you're going to keep enjoying the things. Um, and I suppose you can go back to D&D as a game with progression, and experience points and your characters kind of getting loot and getting stronger as the game plays on. And of course those mechanics directly feeding into uh, role-playing video games as being, you know, imitations of, of Dungeons and Dragons pretty straight up most of the time. Um, obviously there's a lot more crunching that can happen. Uh, but yeah, I would say back for blood is looks like it's gonna be more of a, like a battle pass kind of game where you're going to, if you're going to want to keep being good, then you're going to want to keep paying for these battle passes. But but the commercial part isn't really what's important. I think the thing that's important is the idea that when we started out playing the game, we had every disadvantage. We didn't know how any of the rules worked <laughs> because I had never really played Left 4 Dead before. I think you had, Matt, so you had a bit of an edge. Mark is, a bit, I think, a bit better than each of us at first-person shooters. I rarely ever play them. I guess I played Team Fortress 2 for a while years ago. But... Uh, but yeah, but we didn't know how any of the mechanics worked. We didn't have any of the, the power-up stuff. We didn't know how any of the like in-game currency functioned, which you can get and spend in levels and stuff. We didn't know the healing items, any of that stuff. And I think we just, it's fair to say we got wrecked. We got totally, completely wrecked. And since then, we've been sort of scrambling through the, uh, the sort of innards of this game to try to figure out what it was, not that we did wrong, but but... What it was that happened to us? Now, again, we only really played for about an hour. This is all about a session that lasted about an hour. Uh, and in the end of it, we did win. But it just felt like we were so humbled by this experience. And and I will say it did accomplish the thing that we wanted to accomplish when we set out to do it, which was that it was really fun to socialize with you guys in the context yeah. of playing this game. I mean, Mark, was, you want to jump it was, in there? It was more it. of a challenge that we had expected for sure. Um, but yes, we did get the outcome. So I guess let's, I'll talk about the challenge piece a little bit, and then we should talk about kind of the socialization um, and the sublimation that are going on, um, which is that like, you know, we had you know, expectation certainly is, is, is a lot to do with it. Um, I had read somewhere that the easiest mode for this was too easy. Um, and uh, I, I think I, I spread that bit of knowledge to the two of you, which probably to our just all of our collective to surface. Um, but the other one is something I think we talked about in this game before as well, which is like you know how how games teach you how to play them, uh, and your sense of competence and self worth that comes out of uh, of that process, which is like really interesting, right? Like I don't know about you guys, but like there were a couple of uh, tutorials that I like watched with solid 80 percent um tension given to them right you know the, like the the quick hit sort of like it was a solid like you know there were tutorials five, the, the, that tutorial is too strong of a word it was there was um so there was that's that's an important distinction there actually. probably there, are tutorials there was, there was really not at least like you know in the pathway that we were given to play the game there was not the traditional tutorial that we would come to expect from video games which is like they give you a level and it very very meticulously handholds things for you <laughs> instead it was like this is a like two minute video um that just like in a very very quick 
um, quick succession, just like, you know, uh, in a cinematic fashion, gives you the information that you need to know uh, to play the game. Um, it probably wasn't enough. Now, like, you know, we probably need to marinate on this a little bit more, like, to, to, to figure out, like, is this some true shortcoming uh, to the game, or did we, like, miss something, or did we just not click on the right... <laughs> Pathways we only, to we get only the, played it for an hour. I mean, that's yeah, also the thing that. is that sure. we're busy people with families. We don't have yeah. hours to play video games. Yes. Oh, and another point to add to yeah. this, we're having a little bit of a long, a uh, long view on on video games is that um, you know there is in video games and business and so many other things this very strong urge, bias, incentive structure to add complexity to things, right? In particular, video games, in particular, something like Back for Blood, which is trying to advance on uh, a game mode and game mechanics uh, for things that come back uh, that, that came before it. So it's like, OK, we had this thing before. Let's keep making it more complicated. That is just always the instinct, um, you know, beyond obvious things like making the graphics better and prettier. And by the way, I, at least for me, like this game looked really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. Uh, and you see that in the workplace where it's like, okay, let's like, you know, rather than just like completely shut down this line of business, it's like, let's keep building it, expanding it, improving it, or like, you know, add additional features to the software. And the next thing you know, you have a bloated mess. Like there is a, a little bit of that going on where complexity is added just for the sake of adding things. Um, and uh, again, we've only played this game for an hour, but like that is always the thing that like, you know, I'm hyper aware of these days when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, uh, engage with any system of any sort of com- notable complexity, which is like what is added here for a real thoughtful purpose versus what um, is just spackled upon. Yeah, for the for spackle sake. Plus, I would also add that like the different zombies. From what I've learned of the game subsequently, weak points are a big deal, and knowing a correct approach for each of the problems that you come across is a big deal. And uh, the the challenges I think are geared towards the idea of using the right approach. Or one of the right approaches, and the other approach is not really working that well. Although, of course, we're on the easiest difficulty level, so it should probably all work. But I, I know that we didn't really have any sort of coordinated problem solving that was taking place. We were running and gunning like we were playing Goldeneye, I think, right? <laughs> Pretty like, much, yeah. Yeah, and so like a big zombie shows up that, oh, by the way, if you don't shoot its shoulder, it's going to charge you and kill you. you know. And then also, if nobody comes back to revive you, then your other extra lives are all forfeit. Right. These are the kinds of things that, you know, we, I was feeling like a bit of a boomer about. Uh, ironically, I think I don't know things. I think they are called boomers. I think they were boomers in Left 4 Dead. They were um, boomers in Left 4 Dead. OK, boomer. Uh, <laughs> now they're like they're like breakers or bashers or whatever. But like, yeah, we it is assumed now that you have access to information about the game that you're not even necessarily going to get from the game because you're going to look it up or watch a YouTube video or hear it from a friend who played it. And we didn't have any of this. So it's interesting, I thought, to play a game with none of the necessary information to like equip it, equip you as a gamer, a modern gamer trying to take it on. Um, it's a far cry from hopping on time crisis three and dying in the first level, which we've all done so many times. Um, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Matt rather, do you have any questions about our zombie killing experience? Yeah. About perhaps who, who performed best or worst or like about our secret fears or what the zombies made us do to each other in our desperate times. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm st- here. I'm stuck behind a crate. I, I think I'm kneeling down. <laughs> with, Crouch with, in the fetal position. With, yeah, come with, and like, you know, rock you gently. Yeah, exactly. I'm, oh, 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 God, please make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Oh, God, please make me no, a bird. No, no, go near the birds. Don't get near the birds. Oh, no, God. No, 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 birds are bad. No, 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 no birds. Uh, no birds. <laughs> got it. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought they were my, my spirit animal. But you, didn't, it, you didn't watch the tutorial, Matt? Come on. 
Uh, that's uh, they can kill you. Well, they don't, but they call the zombies. It's terrible. <laughs> that's um. Well, no, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that that committing uh, or having committed on you horrific acts of of deplorable violence uh, involving firearms together has has brought you closer together as friends. I'm really glad that that you know. That, hey, 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 hey! Don't go to, go so holy I, on this. You watched me, Matt. You're, I love that, You're guilty. No, you are party to this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm. I absolutely. I've, I watched you uh, un- undergo your your ritualistic bloodletting, and and yes. you know what? As the kids say, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, just to be clear, what we're talking about is like in a practice run prior to the uh, um, the, the multiplayer sesh, um, I, I was able to stream my gameplay uh, to Matt, and he was able to join me um, and, and chit chat with me while we were while I was doing my thing while right. I was shooting I, zombies. And Matt, cop- and you said Matt, you said that this looked cool. It did. It did look cool. I, I mean, honestly, I ever since the like, I, I love watching people play video games. I like especially open world video games. I think like uh, GTA three, like that was the inception of it. Probably watching Belinky play it. Uh, do you remember that, Matt? In your in your apartment, like uh, sitting around playing GTA three. I don't know. Was that? I'm not sure if the timelines uh, work out exactly, but that's that's what I that's what I seem to remember. And like I I enjoy it. And we we actually might use our Discord server to like you know stream at some point at some indeterminate point in the future no no current plans for this exist but it's an idea that's been um that's been floated since you know after all we have the technology uh and i was we were we were just uh doing a little proof of concept with me and mark and and i yeah i watched you play and it was uh, uh it seemed like a lot of fun it did seem it did seem very hard and uh you know i don't know i you know i i haven't really played a game system since the nintendo entertainment system and uh I I kind of went in other directions and I I find it I, I find it too frustrating. I find the learning the learning process uh too frustrating which um you know people might uh like people might think is weird because I'm trying to teach myself the Haskell programming language but so you know obviously I have a high tolerance for frustration but the the uh the hand eye coordination I don't know something 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 about it but then again I play piano and Bach fugues with independent voices I don't know my my uh my my excuses are falling away one by one I I need a game controller I need an Xbox come on let's <laughs> kill some zombies guys let's kill some zombies you know, let's I'm, get together. Let's get together and talk while we play this game, because uh, in our it, it, social ineptitude, we can't find any other way to uh, get together to talk to each other well, outside outside of this podcast. Well, <laughs> I, I actually like. I I think I think Mark. Yeah, that that was a, a theme that you sort of identified uh, er, earlier on, and like the theme of sublimation for uh, you know, and for for those of you who haven't already Wikipedia it right. Like sublimation is a psychoanalytic theory where uh, unacceptable urges are turned into acceptable urges by kind of directing the energy, directing the psychic energy of that into other things. So like if you are um, if you a are European country that really doesn't like another European country, then you sublimate that urge through a song contest. <laughs> yeah, sure. I suppose it's it's more like you know you have a lot of you have a lot of erotic energy, right? But you can't have sex with everyone because you're like a socially responsible person, and that that's just not the sort of thing that you do. And so you write poetry, and you get like you get the love of everyone by uh, by you know writing your poetry and getting lots of attention, and all this like libidinal, all this erotic energy goes into this other thing. Like to sublimate is is you know 
to, to make sublime. Um, and that's uh, like to, to, you know, I don't know, put the, put the energy into, into another form. There's like a, almost like a physics quality to the, to the way it was initially, uh, initially theorized. But Mark, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I get it. Uh, I, I get what you're, I get what you're saying that like that there is what, uh, there is a, the, the urge to bromance is, is too, uh, uh, too dangerous for our society. And so we need to, um, so we need to like, uh, play video games together where we kill zombies. But like, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how much, uh, like doing a fun activity with friends is actually a displacement of your feelings of friendship. Yeah. And like how much it's actually just like being friends is that you do fun things together. Right. I I am probably misusing the, I probably misused the word sublimation when I first tossed that out there uh, so casually, like a, uh, like a grenade into a, uh, into a crowd of zombies. Um, I think what, what my idea was that, I think there is this notion in the culture that men in particular, boys, men, uh, uh, what have you, um, lack certain uh, proper social urges to get together and hang out um, without some sort of activity. Um, let, me, let, me, let me back up. They, they lack um, the proper sort of social structure and urges to get together and talk about real stuff in their lives. And so they get together and they watch sports. They talk about sports or in our case, we do a podcast. Uh, and also in our case, now we play a zombie shooting video game together. That is like the very rough idea that I started from that. I probably mislabeled sublimation. Um, so let's start there and like, see if like Pete, like we were, we were sharing some articles on this. Like, do you agree at all with the, that premise that I initially set out with? I think that there's some there's there's definitely something going on because the adoption of video games is so much higher, uh, at least if you look at various sorts of uh, various sorts of studies. I mean, we were looking at a bunch of them. we can post some links in our discord too for some sources of stuff we were looking at. But it seems like the prevalence of relying on video games is as a main social activity is has a certain gender modality associated with it. And again, when I'm talking about gender, I'm talking about modalities and kind of dimorphisms, not necessarily binaries, right? There's obviously a lot of people who, uh, you know, would not fit neatly, but there seem to be big piles, right? That that, <laughs> was, that seem to exist either because of some sort of, well, because of some sort of coordinating factor, with some sort of, whether whatever the nature of it is, there's some reason you would think why so many more men have their social lives taking place in video games. Uh, and again, a lot of women are doing it too, but I think there's a, I think there's a gap, at least as the research I've seen would suggest it. And furthermore, the same thing happens with sports, right? So, you know, the, if you look at, you know, a lot of, a lot of men talk about sports, right? With their friends and sports is an occasion for a really large number of, of male social interactions. Right. And then if you take it all the way back to childhood, right? When you look at playgrounds, you know, you see boys and girls are playing differently and and the boys are more involved in activities that are may might be sports. They might be games, but they're doing competitive stuff with each other. And the, and the girls are more likely to be socializing by which I mean talking to each other and talking to teachers and kind of like not having the sort of occasion of an activity for the thing that they're doing. And I think you could look at this in a couple of ways. And one of the ways I think legitimately is to say, well, this is based on the expectation or some sort of norming that's taking place where these people would socialize by talking to each other 
and not by having an activity or occasion to hang out with each other, such as a podcast with a mission statement, right? Um, or or a sports a sporting event or a video game or whatever, right? You could say, well, okay, there, maybe there's an, a gender norming that's happening to these these boys that is causing them to not do this other thing that would be good for them, and instead they're doing the thing that they're doing, right? However, there's also evidence to suggest that boys that don't get recess time, right, are worse off academically than girls who don't get recess time. And it wanders into sort of areas of the brain that we don't understand and and what is it about kind of activity or competition or whatever? What about play, right? Why is it that children, when deprived you know, of, of everything but the bare minimum to survive, will still play, even when most other human social uh, social functions cease? In desperate times, you know, it, it's it, there's a mystery here as to what's happening. So on one hand, it could be you could not do it right. We could just get on a phone call and talk to each other on the phone and not have a podcast and not have a video game and not be talking about Eurovision or not talking about New York football giants, which I think nobody should talk about, even especially not Giants fans. But, the, but like we could do that. Right. But, but we that, did. What, and we, it wasn't – it was these Zoom, horrible Zoom happy hours we all did at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, weren't those miserable? It was just weird, right? We were, did they, it. They were like, miserable. They were better miserable. than being alone. They were failures. That was miserable about it. They didn't work, right? Like They were very poor substitutes for what we were trying to get at. Yeah. Like, you know, you could go to – I mean, even going to a bar or a restaurant, there's something that you're doing. But no, I shouldn't say they were miserable. It was good to talk to you guys. But, like, the stuff during the pandemic that really stuck was the stuff that had an activity associated with it. Yeah. You know, we, we got more we got more mileage out of your Agatha Christie stage readings, which were so fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Like, For those who don't recall that, we basically – everybody – we emailed around um, a script uh, of an Agatha Christie uh, murder story, um, and we just had a reading on zoom it was terrific fun yeah it was great and we did it a couple times right yeah we did a few times and i think that there and there could, could have been energy to do it more often like i think that that could have kept going and that would have provided an occasion for people to get together and again that was not an uh, an all dudes group that was a very a mixed group um and uh and so you wouldn't necessarily that it would say it was gendered but it's just I, I you sort of feel like you're inside of a machine that you don't know the rules to. And I'm not just talking about playing back for blood. Right? It's like <laughs> the real back for blood, you know, is is your is your body and the way that your body and your mind are co- conspiring with each other uh, to hide from you critical information about what it would take for you to thrive in your life. Right. <laughs> like, which is like, well, it turns out because the one thing that might concern you is like the step down from playing sports to spectating sports, a step down in terms of physical activity and direct involvement. Right. And then a further step down from like sitting in a room and talking about sports or going to a game to like sitting in your own respective homes and like playing a video game because you're seeing there are physiological effects of these changes. Right. And, and there are correlates that are rather unpleasant about people's lack of activity. Right. And like. Um, and, and maybe it's really unhealthy to have all of our socialization take place from, from our, from our chairs. Uh, and maybe that is particularly dangerous if your social life is based around activities that you do. Oh, but Pete, Um, I, I, I have a standing desk. (laughs) Here, here's a, here's a bit of a non sequitur, uh, but it's not really, it's a sequitur. Here's a sequitur. Um, when I was seeing you guys in New York city, I walked around everywhere and my level of activity was so much higher than it is when I'm at home here in the suburbs where right. I don't, it's not walkable. Right. Your, infor- your information device told you that. 
Uh, yeah, that's correct. I have I have a smart watch. It's not that smart. I had the wrong band on it for like you, a year. You, now. you mean the, you mean the amygdala? Yes, that, that information <laughs> device. I, I checked the amygdala. I think actually what the amygdala was continually telling me was like the one paragraph summary of the third book of the three body problem that I read, like when I couldn't sleep one night. That's what my amygdala has been primarily concerned with. Um, I, I don't I don't uh, the amygdala is not really part of the team sometimes. Um, I yeah, mean, it's what, funny. What, mine, mine was telling me that I, I really want to write some poetry. Oh, well, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? Your amygdala is on your team. Oh, wait, I just got that joke. I'm a little bit, my, my amygdala hasn't been operating in that range for a little while uh, because my amygdala is also trying to stop small humans from bashing their heads against sharp corners all the time. <laughs> Which they seem dead set on doing. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, but the idea being that, like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually run around and fight zombies? Well, no, <laughs> that would actually be horrifying. But uh, but it might be really nice to actually be able to, like, enact. Maybe what I'm suggesting, Mark, is that there might be two different sublimations that are happening. There might be a gender norm based emotional sublimation into this activity. But there also might be a physical sublimation where the desire to kind of run around and and in a way that would raise your adrenaline and your blood pressure and like get you going instead results in you raising your blood pressure and getting you going somewhere else. Yeah. But, um, but yes, you know what I'm talking about, right? That like, we really crave running down a subway tunnel. Uh, and, and that, that's why the video games painstakingly realistic recreation of running down a subway tunnel felt so good is because right. we really just want to be walking in a straight line for more than five minutes. And 9 PM <laughs> on a Tuesday, that was just was not an option available to me. Well, yeah, really, yeah. like leaving my house because <laughs> I had a child. I had to. Yeah, I feel like it's related to like the weirdos like me who want to go back to the office because uh, opting out of walking is like much more likely to get me to walk than opting into it, which also makes sense from a behavioral economic standpoint. But it's like having an occasion where I walk every day is like much more likely to get me to walk every day, which is going to make me feel better, look better and be better. Um, and, and so, uh, even though it's like six and one half dozen, the other, I wouldn't want to inflict that on anybody else. I don't want to force anybody else to do it. I like what do you mean like versus, versus like setting an intention to walk like, uh, you know, I don't know, re- like, uh, re- you know, reading like tiny habits and being like, Hey, you know, when I, when I get out of bed every day, I'm going to pull on some gym shorts and, and go for a stroll. Like that is less effective at making you walk than like having to, you know, having to, to traverse the 1500 yards or whatever between the, the bus stop and your office door. Did you know that I was reading Atomic Habits, Matt? Were you actually <laughs> reading Atomic Habits? That was yes. my that, no, no. I said Tiny Habits. There, there's, similar. there's similar so many. Uh, yeah. yeah, the um, but that's no, no, no. I read all those books too, Pete. Like I'm not yeah. throwing shade. I, I, I get it. Like uh, I set my intentions, bro. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, doing. Yeah, I set, bro. Do you even set intentions? <laughs> so that's so. Actually, I've made a bunch of small changes based on this because. I found that my day-to-day routine, and we talked about this in the podcast before, I think, my day-to-day routine got to a place where it was very unproductive, and I wanted to fix it. And a lot of it was things that my day forced me to do that were good for me uh, were not happening, and I wasn't aware of them because, as we've mentioned, you know, your body and your brain are in a conspiracy, and you may or may not be invited to the party. Like, your interests may or may not be represented. Um, But I've done little things, you know, like – like I move around different keyboards, so I only have access to one kind of keyboard during the day. I bought an analog clock, right? So I, I feel like I intuitively understand what time it is. 
um, which I feel like I didn't, I, I lost because I was raised with analog clocks and I don't really know how to like get the sense for how much time I'm wasting when I use a digital clock, um, stuff like that. But, and this is all related, I think, but yes, if, if you were to try to simulate having a commute, which I did try to do during the pandemic where it's like, okay, at this time of day, I would be walking to a train station and or driving to a train station, but then like walking across town to go to my office, which would probably involve about a mile and a half to two miles of walking, um, which I would do twice a day, which is a lot of activity relative to nothing. Um, and uh, it's and like, okay, I will just mark off that time and I'll just use that time to walk. Um, adoption, not high, bro. <laughs> like didn't happen that often. Uh, not nearly as often as I would have wanted. Um, and I guess we're getting off the topic of video games, but not really, right? Because it, it's sort of like- we're talking about structured activity. It's really yeah, yeah. We're talking about like the universe's last laugh at the metaverse, which is that it sucks. (laughs) 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 But but it's more complicated than that, right? Like, uh, and also because like this little slice of the metaverse, uh, by which I mean playing back for blood with your friends is fun to be, right? It's it's super fun. And I'm just worried about what extrinsic goods either are or aren't happening in the context of that being the way that I talk to you guys. Right. Like, like, and if we did, if I could go play it with strangers and I wouldn't get any of the social benefit that I get from doing it with you guys, but the game isn't designed for it to make it easy for me to do it with you guys relative to the other people that we could be playing with who would be like match make, you know, I'd be match made with people who are my skill level and fine tuned so that my likelihood of failure on a lot of games was set just at the point where I maximally stimulated to try again. Right. It's a very, very, it's all blackjacked. Uh, out there where it's like just around 50% of you winning and losing. I don't know. I mean, I've been talking a lot, but, but Blinky, does any of this resonate with you? Or are you just basically saying like, hey, I was shooting zombies and this guy's talking nonsense. I don't know, man. It's, it's occurred to me that like, maybe we should just embrace or that our destiny is to be filthy casuals. Right. <laughs> which, is like, I, which is a term that maybe is worth unpacking. Right. It's sort of like, a, a this is like a, a specific thing in video game culture. Right. Right. And it's like, I think the thing that I can relate to it the most is like, if you've ever, if you've ever played blackjack, there's like a, a real disdain bordering on like a hostility of like people who are like, you know, habitual blackjack players towards sort of noobs who don't understand exactly what you're supposed to do in any given hand. Cause blackjack Blackjack is like a solved game, right? There's no, it's not like poker where like you can kind of like go with your gut and you can play, you know, uh, counterintuitively and sometimes it sort of works or, you know, like blackjack is like there is a dominant strategy and it's it's not even that complex to learn is my understanding of it. And so that like if you sit down at a blackjack table and you play. No, it fits, it fits on a, it fits on a uh, palm sized piece of paper or like playing, a, you know, playing card or something that you can hold in your hand, not right. on the table, sir, but in your hand while you sit at the, uh, sit <laughs> well, at the table. What if I have two drinks? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with my cheat sheet if I have two drinks? <laughs> <laughs> right. You use it as a so coaster. He, it's just like a, oh. a, you know, it's mnemonic, right? Like that. <laughs> But here's the interesting thing about blackjack is that, like, I would think, although maybe, like, somebody who understands the game theory deeper can correct me here, that, like, you playing blackjack, you know, you hitting on 18 doesn't hurt anybody else at the table, right? And yet they, they – I don't know whether it's a sort of a superstition or just sort of an annoyance that you're slowing down the game or that, like, you're complicating something that should be kind of – 
almost like a thoughtless activity that like you're just doing the thing that like you're supposed to do. Yeah, but, Matt, like, I definitely I definitely saw a Vegas dealer once criticize a, a man who had hit on 18 uh, and taken the card that would have given the woman next to him blackjack uh, or no blackjack is when you get it on the first one that would have that would have put the woman next to him exactly at 21 say uh, that was supposed to be her card. To the, you know, to the, to the person doing it. The so dealer I, said that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, I, I've definitely seen people at the table feel that way that like, there's a, there's a destiny right there. There's a way that the cards are supposed to fall. And if you take a card that is not like, you know, according to the blackjack system, which is sort of like, you know, should be understood by anyone who's like even mildly, you know, uh, serious about the game or, or wants to play it in the best way. Like you are messing it up for the table. Now, never mind the fact that, like, I, it seems to me that you're just as likely to save the table from certain doom by, like, taking a card that, like, would have uh, busted the person after you. People feel that it's, like, uh, karmically bad. Now, th- this is an interesting thing to compare and contrast to video games because I think most of the time when, when video gamers complain about filthy casuals, what they're saying is that, like, the experience of playing the video game is made worse by the fact that a bunch of the people playing the game – you know, and a, a good example is like when it's a team game, right? When it's a game that like you are split into squads and if half the people on your squad are just like walking into walls and and shooting each other in the face, um, then you might mumble under your breath filthy casuals and feel like that is ruining the game for you and that it would be more fun to play the game with people who are, you know, have a, a baseline of skill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do wonder to some extent whether it's just sort of like a disdain – at like having to share the same virtual space with people who aren't, you know, who, who, who make you reflect poorly on, you know, sort of like, um, I don't know. Like, I wonder how much is like, like at the blackjack table, right. Where it's sort of like having the filthy casual at the blackjack table, you know, it feels like it, it's, it's ruining the vibe that you wanted to have versus like, yeah. you know, something that like you, it actually makes the game worse. Yeah, and it's a reasonable expectation to have as well. I, I'm going to share another. Um, I go back to go back to sports, right? The, the related, uh, you know, kind of domain of, of video games, right? I I was once playing uh, tennis um, on a court in Central Park, and I was not playing it well, and the balls were going over the place, and um, we were gently reprimanded by the um, folks playing next to us. It basically is like, you shouldn't be here. You are not good enough to be here. Please don't be here. <laughs> and like, <laughs> the, 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 and you know, it, it, Roland Garros. Okay, maybe, right, right. Maybe it wasn't like that. Realistic Not even the, the most you said it was gentle in New York City. It was, yeah. it was, it was gentle. Um, yeah. and, and in, in retrospect, like maybe that wasn't the most realistic expectation to have. Again, because it is a public court. It is not, um, you know, gated at, um, you know, in the Hamptons or anything like that. Right. Um. But it, it, this goes back to, um, you know, shared expectations and like uh, our own uh, the little island that we managed to make for ourselves when the, when the three of us played. Right. And and uh, and that like it's, it feels almost sacred, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. And I mean, like because, you know, we don't have to contend with thousands of other masses playing the game. It's just the three of us. Um, and we made it uh, something fun. And I'm proud of that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it wouldn't be like on on, on the one hand, it, if someone 
just walked into our karaoke room and like sat down with us or, you know, it would be strange, right? Even if, even if we allowed them to continue there, it, it would alter the dynamic in an, uh, in an awkward way. Right. Like, but, but, uh, I don't, I don't know the, the, I think, I guess I'm, I'm defending gatekeeping to a certain, to a certain extent or like there, you know, there, there's a good fences make good neighbors, man. And you need gates or else how you get through the fence. How do you you how should do you... jump. Is that, is that what Robert Frost said? Good fences make good neighbors. Okay. Got it. That was, he was, <laughs> he was pro fence. Oh pro, yeah. hundred percent pro also pro buzzsaw. That buzzsaw poem is also about how buzzsaws are sweet. Oh yeah, they totally well, cut through anything. It's it's snarled, <laughs> it's snarled and rattled, rattled and snarled. <laughs> it's it's meant to be read in a metal voice. It's snarled and rattled, snarled and rattled, rattled and snarled. Hard rock, hallelujah! Oh, I miss karaoke, guys. I miss karaoke. How would it be if we all went to karaoke and each of us got split up and got automatically match made into a different karaoke room with people who were selected to have similar karaoke tastes with ours, and we didn't get to all go to the same place? Oh, worse yet, karaoke. it would be it would be worse than karaoke taste. It would be like we're, we had like similar singing ability you know yeah, yeah. like so wh- whether or not whether you like you know italian opera or whether you like uh, death metal right if you i don't know if you can hit a high e like you are uh you are matched up with with this group it does seem like a uh it doesn't seem like the most fun way or like the the kinds of fun that that you can have with those those sorts of matchups are are perhaps not the most uh, what not the most profound or sublime types of fun that are uh, you know that are on offer in the in the actual universe. Yeah, I think filthy casuals. Another dimension with filthy casuals that has to do with video games that I think creates a space that is different from sports is that video games are subject to change. And it, every, a lot of the time, people spend a lot of time and energy thinking and talking about how they want the video game to be different and investing a lot of their own personal sense of accomplishment, which is one of the main reasons that they pay to play the video game, uh, in outcomes that necessitate the game changing, right? Like, oh, there needs to be a, I'm going to play a League of Legends champion and someday they're going to get buffed and then they're going to be the best one. And when that happens, I'll be the best one. And it'll be my turn. In the meantime, I'll suffer with a disadvantage, but I'll get really good at this one champion, right? Um, and and I think that this is a pretty this is I don't think this is a good way for a lot of people to spend their time and energy, but it's something that this sort of structure guides you into. But the looking at the people who aren't good at the game in the sense that they don't understand the impacts uh, of the strategic. Uh, kind of balancing of the game or who are affected by the balancing of the game in a fundamentally different way than people who are more practiced. You know, you might think, well, I don't want to see changes made that benefit them. I want all the changes to benefit me. And the players like me are the ones who play the game the way I play it. I mean, I think a good game is designed these days in a way that people of different levels can all get something out of it. But that also means that different features are directed at different people. And so people might resent the features that aren't directed at them because uh, because they're in desperate need of socialization and have trapped themselves in an echo chamber where all they hear is the the sort of silent tinnitus left behind by the repeated percussion of their own shotgun blasts, right? like in their own simulated little shell. But um, but yes, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like casuals affect balance. Casuals affect discourse. 
around balance. They, they affect the sort of crude and pitiful attempts of gamer audiences to exert political pressure to like change the numbers of the games that they play, which is, I suppose, uh, what what um, Klauswitz meant by politics by other means. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it's. Uh, I mean, we've all been there. I say these things and I've done them myself and I hate myself for it. But uh, but 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 yeah, I I think that there is a gap, and I think that um, I mean I'll, I'll put it another way. I was never very good at basketball. It was one of the better sports I was at when I was growing up um, because I got tallish early and then didn't get taller, so I kind of aged out of it. But I was you know I was a, a post player. I was a, a power forward or a center, and I never really learned how to dribble very well. And uh, and I was at the playground today with my son and I brought the basketball for the first time because he's gotten into watching people bounce basketballs. And he, he kind of see even when we, I took him to soccer, he wanted to see the basketball instead. So I figured I'd show him a little basketball and I realized I still can't dribble a basketball or shoot it very well. And it's like, well, I could I could learn how to dribble a basketball now. Right. I, I'm not playing basketball at all. But like if I sat down with a couple of YouTube videos and practiced, like I have a basketball, I have a pavement. I could, you know, practice dribbling a basketball and it, with a lot of time and effort, I could get like as good as a bunch of my friends were when they were 10. Right. And and, uh, and then there's the question of, OK, well, what would that even mean? Right. You know, what is it that level of enjoyment of something at this point in our lives, you know, that level of of proficiency. Right. We're, we're at the point where the, the advantages that you had from being proficient at something when you were younger are have played out. And, and you can't reclaim them. You can't go back and be a piano prodigy, right? Um, and in that sense, being casual takes on a new meaning. Damn it, Pete. Because, Damn it, you know, Pete. Why did, you, why did you take on my greatest shame? Matt, you have played piano on stage for money on like many occasions, <laughs> <laughs> including a song and dance show where you sang and danced and played piano at the same time. It's and true. it was an equity gig. You have no right to complain to me about not being, about being frustrated with how bad you are at piano. Oh. I played that freaking pirate song for two years when I was in like fifth grade and never got it right once. <laughs> and I played it at a recital. I didn't get it right then either. I mean, uh, what pirate song? Oh, I had this stupid pirate song that I it was one of my like uh, a piano pirate song. Yeah, it was like a jaunty nautical tune. No, 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 Pete. It was it was it was Bob Marley's redemption song. It just <laughs> starts with pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was it was a Fiona Apple uh, sheet music. I just playing horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of this song because I didn't I didn't practice it enough. That's why it's my own fault. But those years are gone and I can't get them back and I'm never going to be good at that pirate song. I, I, I made more money understudying that that singing dancing show and never going on. I made more money doing uh, just sitting on my butt uh, than my entire other rest of my theatrical career <laughs> combined. <laughs> You have to perform at least once, right? No, we videotaped it to send back to the production company in New York to prove that the the to crew of understudies like, you can do it to prove that oh. the crew of understudies was like good enough to go on. You know when it when gotcha. it happened, and then my guy was was a horse. He was just <laughs> he was he never called out not once. And I was like, bro, give me a Tuesday. Like I learned ninety minutes of difficult piano music so my mom can see this you know and yeah. uh and she doesn't want to watch me play video games she wants to watch me play the, <laughs> play the play the 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 piano on stage you know yeah i i do think like pete that that is an interesting perspective of like well, what would 
being good even before, you know, with, yes, with yes. this, like what, what, and, and then what, like, if that's true, is it even good, you know, by, by what standard, I mean, is it good in an ethical sense, you know, if there's really no utility to it, um, uh, no utility to it at all. I mean, I suppose the, the good basketball player is the person who has the, the tendency, the personalities that make them the good basketball but you know i mean probably... I, I say these things but i play tekken so i have no leg to stand on <laughs> but anyway i don't i don't mark we, we i said we put a pin in something i didn't I, I said we put a pin in the game that you play oh geez it's it's star wars squadrons and yeah like, which you've like, talked about at least a, once in the podcast right i have yes and there's like almost like too much to get into here but like the 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 whole filthy casuals thing absolutely applies to the to the squadrons community um as does, uh, you know, the, the complaints about the rules and changing them. Um, but there's, also, there's another notion as well, like, which is about like constructed uh, uh, online communities and um, playing with your friends versus playing with strangers. And then there's the interest, fascinating in between zone, which is playing with uh, strangers that are organized in a community uh, with, you know, what's the gatekeeping, certainly, um, that then become something like friends or in many cases, actual friends. Um, which is a completely different phenomenon than what it is we've talked about here. Um, you know, people that, you know, we, we've known each other for a long time and then assemble in a virtual space to capture something that we're no longer able to do. Like, this is like a, a true, like, digital native society that has come up around Star Wars Squadrons. And, like, we're, like, doing friggin' charity fundraisers and stuff like that. It's fascinating. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's like, it's a whole podcast on that. Um, I'm still out there playing Star Wars Squadrons. Um, and uh, and and I, I but I am w- with pleasure giving up some of that precious video game time. Play Back for Blood with you guys. Mm. Happy and the charity hates us because no one's going to give us charity money to get killed by zombies over and over again. We can do that. We got the Discord thing. We can oh, like man. Run, a, run, a, run a zombie uh, uh, killing. Uh, Are you doing fil- filthy casual day and it's going to provide clean water to people? <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, should totally exactly. do that. You the, should the, totally the, do that. Filthy like, like, casual uh, day, like, and it, yeah, it's about the sanitation needs of underserved is it, communities. Is it causal rather than casual? You just <laughs> get causal casuals. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll workshop it. <laughs> that's that's what we're going to do. All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll uh, do that. I think I think maybe we need to leave our uh, leave our conversation there. But this has been it's been a fascinating fascinating window into the the male subculture that that you know <laughs> I'm not a part of. <laughs> As I, as I stand here at the window looking looking sadly out like uh um yeah the, the with some like i don't know music playing on the i will remember you <laughs> anyway the uh the uh, overthinking podcast is uh, is over but we will continue this uh on the discord so check out the uh check out the the link to join the discord i put it they make me put it in a new one every time i don't know i don't i don't totally understand discord cuz cuz i'm not a gamer um the uh the link is in the show notes for this thank you for listening thanks very much matt pete and mark for uh talking and and uh, introducing me to the fun world of of you know multiplayer of what group play video games is that what we did? Excellent. <laughs> it's the only it's thing you accomplished. Co-op, the only yeah, it's called thing. Co-op. It's called co-op. It's called co-op. Get it right. Get it right, it. noob. I'm sorry. Get it right or pay the price. Yeah, Remember how noob you are? There's always somebody newbier. There's a well. Oh, oh, good. Oh, god. I and and can I can I lord my tiny sense of superiority over them? Uh, you know, and and make them cry just to to. Yes. 
you know, obviate the blackness in my own soul. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, hey. Uh, oh, also the Oscars were tonight. We'll be back next week with more <laughs> Overthinking It podcasts. Until then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. The real pertinent Robert Frost quote that we should bring to this conversation is, of course, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> I thought it's that extended poem he wrote about how in Elden Ring he played for three weeks before he was able to afford a pair of pants. Oh, that was me. That was a Robert Frost. <laughs> you start the game without pants? You can. It's the highest difficulty. I did it for no reason. <laughs> Do you you have a shirt? No, you have a loincloth. You have a shirt or a pant. You start with just a club. Your class is wretch. You can be like a samurai or like an astronomer. Astronomer, like a, you could be a, a vagabond warrior. Astronomer? Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could be a wretch with no pants and a club, and you hide in the bushes until people walk by. But at by least the astronomer. You- look, if I have to to pick a side in the fight between the wretch and the astronomer, I'm gonna the wretch is gonna murder the astronomer, right? <laughs> Especially if he walks. He's by got a club. Bush. Yeah, exactly, because he's hiding in the bush. <laughs>